would take your copy of the Word of God and turn to Luke chapter 5, please. Luke chapter 5, I want to look at the subject tonight, launch out into the deep. Luke chapter 5, launch out into the deep. We're going to look at the first 11 verses, so if you would stand in reverence to the reading of God's Word tonight. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. It says, So as it was, as the multitude pressed about to hear the Word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, also known as the Sea of Galilee, and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, and I want you to key in on this phrase, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Let's pray. Father, I believe there's a word for us tonight from this statement from the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, as, as, as I stand up here tonight, God, preach through me. God, I, I, I come up here a weak vessel tonight, but God, you're strong. So Lord, I'm just praying, Lord, speak through me. And Lord, I just pray that, that Lord, you would communicate, Lord, that the Holy Spirit of God would move in this place. And Lord, whatever you want to say to your people tonight, Lord, that you'd have your will and way. And, Lord, we'll thank you for how you speak and what you do in this place. In Jesus' name, and the people of God said, Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Many of you know my fascination for uh, social media. I love to read Facebook and read the comments that people post and am very entertained by them. I won't go into any of the latest Facebook posts I've seen, but I will share something about my latest craze called Twitter. Now Twitter to me is not as exciting as Facebook, but a friend of mine from high school, he's, uh, he and I were in Christian school together for most of our lives, and then uh, later on he, he went down a different path and, 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 and proclaims to be a Christian, but he made this statement and, and posted it, to where I could see it and he thought this was pretty funny he said do you want an adventure do the opposite of what the Bible says and he just thought this was a real knee slapper and it, he just talked about how how he funny he thought this was but you know the reality is that uh, most people well, I, I would dare say the vast majority outside the church, those who do not proclaim to know the Lord Jesus Christ, believe that same thing. But an even sadder commentary is the fact that many people inside the church feel the same way. You say, oh no, not in the Baptist church. No, not at Hepzibah, surely. But many people think that in order to live an adventurous life, they have to live a life outside of the will of God. The high life, according to TV and billboards, is to, to grab a bottle of alcohol and just tip back and enjoy. Or enjoy the latest of drugs that are out on the street. 
or, or involve yourself in, in some kind of uh, lifestyle that, that is outside of the will of God, but that's not the real adventure at all. In fact, I, I, I really question why people would think that all the things that everybody else is doing would be an adventure. To me, that makes no sense because everybody else is doing it. You're, you're not really making a statement by following the crowd. If you're doing what everybody else is doing, you're not being an individual. You're just floating along like everybody else. The real adventure, my friends, is in following the Lord Jesus Christ. The real adventure is doing what the Lord Jesus Christ said in verse 4 when he said, launch out into the deep. When the Lord Jesus Christ called disciples, he did not call them to a boring life. And if you're sitting here today, you may be very well thinking, well, I am a self-proclaimed Christian, but I find the Christian life to be rather dull. You're missing out. You are seriously missing out if you think that the Christian life is dull and boring. Because if you are really living on the cutting edge for Christ, I promise you, you will be living a life of adventure. You look throughout the New Testament, and I talked about this uh, in a recent message. The Apostle Paul talked about a man living on the edge, a man running for his life, a man really living from one moment to the next. He was just sharing the gospel, but a man living an adventure. If you want an adventure, my friends, there is an adventure in following the Lord Jesus Christ. But tonight, I want to talk about and answer this question, what does it mean to launch out into the deep? Jesus made this statement. This is early on in his ministry. He's first calling his disciples and he says, all right, I want you to launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. In order to set the stage, I want to back up to verse 1 for just a minute. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, they stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, we know that any time Jesus was preaching and teaching, he's drawing a crowd. There were a lot of curiosity seekers, especially early on in his ministry. He was new on the scene, and, and a lot of people, of course, knew him growing up, and, and, and you know now he's, he's preaching and he's teaching something that's radically different from anything they've heard before. So a multitude comes in, and it says, verse 2, He saw two boats standing by the lake, and the fishermen had gone from them, and they were washing their nets. So this implication right off the bat is, these fishermen have been uh, spending a great deal of time fishing and haven't had any luck. They're washing their nets. They're closing up shop, if you will. And it says in verse 3, Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. The last time I spoke, I, I sat down right here in front of the Lord's Supper table and uh, taught behind a podium and, and I, I kind of felt a little guilty about it at first I, I thought somebody might label me 
uh, unconventional or might have something to say about that but then somebody brought me to this very passage of scripture and said if Jesus taught from a boat Matthew I think you can sit down one time and preach from a chair so I thought well okay I mean if you're using the example of Jesus I think that's perfectly fine if there's anybody I want to follow it's the Lord Jesus amen well he sat down at the boat and he begins to teach and when he stopped speaking, he made this statement launch out into the deep. So I want to define five points, don't let it scare you, but five points tonight as to what it means to launch out into the deep. Now some of this is going to really shake us where we are. When, when I first studied this passage of Scripture for myself, God challenged me. Because I had a way of thinking, and nobody was going to shake that way of thinking. And then as I began to study the Word of God for myself and began to look here at this text of Scripture, God challenged me right where I was. Our first point, what does it mean to launch out into the deep? Sometimes Jesus calls us to change our method. In most Baptist churches, if I were just to stop there, you'd automatically hear about 50 people go, change our method? What are you talking about? We have done it this way for 157 years. Don't ask us to change our method. I've been singing the same song, the same tempo. Don't ask me to change a thing. But you'll notice right here in the Word of God, Jesus comes along and says, change your method. As I said, they, these guys had been fishing all night. They had no luck. And, and, and they, were, they were really ready to give up. Let's just be honest. Verse 5 says, But Simon answered and said to him, the Lord Jesus, he said, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. A, a lot of people would look at this and say, okay, Simon obeys. But it, I, I think really what, what Simon is saying here is, Master, we've toiled all night. We've done everything that we know to do. I, I want to remind you of something. These guys were professionals. They weren't just guys that were looking for something fun to do on the weekend, so they decided to go to the fishing hole and, and, and cast a... Uh, uh, you, you can tell I'm not good on fishing terminology. Cast a hook in the water. There we go. They're, they're, they're not guys that are just like, I, I'm just here to have a little bit of fun. No, these were guys that did this on a regular basis and Jesus in their mind has the audacity to come along and tell them to launch out into the deep they said we've toiled all night we've done everything we know to do we are professionals but nevertheless at your word we'll cast out the net so in other words it wouldn't hurt we've tried everything else so, let's do this. 
I want you to notice something, though. They still use nets. And I want to draw a parallel with these, uh, these nets, draw a parallel with the gospel. They didn't change their message. And I want you to understand, in this day and age, we have a lot of people saying, change your message. You, you, you tell people a little different story. Water it down, you'll get a bigger crowd. Listen, rock concerts can draw a crowd. We are not, we're not concerned about drawing a crowd here. We are interested in building disciples. That is why Jesus called the local church into existence. They, use, they still use the gospel. They still use the message that Jesus died, that he rose again, he came to save sinners, and whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. They still preach the same message. But Jesus called them to change the message, or the method, not the message. The message has always been the same. Even before Jesus died on the cross, the, the Old Testament was pointing toward Jesus. Now we on this side of the cross are looking back, but the, the Bible has always pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ, and the message has still been the same. The just shall live by faith. But in this thought of changing our method, I think this was a very neat statement I heard Tony Evans make it the first time, and Fred Luter, who uh, is a pastor in New Orleans, recently was elected president of our Southern Baptist Convention. He made this statement. He said, we cannot reach an iPod generation with an eight-track ministry. Now, I believe most of us in this congregation are, are old enough to remember. Who, who, who knows what an 8-track is? Would you lift your hand? All right, most of us in here. I, I, I see the few children that are in here looking, and I'm, I, I, I know Carl and Sherry, y'all are going to have to tell you, the kids after church what an 8-track is. But I grew up, I, one of my first memories and, and I, I'm, I'm just going to come clean and confess, just be real tonight. One of my first memories of an 8-track was my mom and dad in their bedroom had an old 8-track player that had a record player also with it. And the only 8-tracks they had were Elvis Presley. So I, I love to listen to Elvis Presley, especially the song Teddy Bear. Some Many of you uh, may remember that song. And... To embarrass myself just a little bit more, um, I used to sing into the upright vacuum cleaner. <laughs> and I even tried to move my hips just a little bit like Elvis did. But if I were to come into the sanctuary today, and let's just say I, I decided to sing a song. And I walked back to Jerry and I said, Jerry... I've got this song. I mean, I just love this song. Jerry, here's the problem. It's, it's on an eight track. I wonder what kind of response I get from Jerry. Or if I were to come to Bill on a Sunday, you know, we don't have an eight track player. As far as I know, they don't make eight tracks anymore. We, we have graduated from eight tracks to cassette tapes 
And I remember my dad in the early 1990s. I remember when CD players first came out. My dad said, Matthew, we need to buy us a CD player. I said, why? I said, we got tapes. We got a tape player at home. He said, that's going to be the new thing. And I looked at him kind of funny. I was just 12 years old, thought I knew, I knew everything. And my dad's like, no, son, we're going to walk away and we're going to buy this CD player. And the next thing I know, the cassette tapes went out. And now, even CDs to a degree aren't as popular as they used to be because now people are downloading music onto iPods and they're downloading it onto their computers. And, and, and now we're in a digital age. But that statement, we can't reach an iPod generation with an 8-track ministry, really gripped my heart because I realized many people are still holding on to their 8-tracks and they're saying, but man, I got, I got some precious memories over these 8-tracks. I, I sang into the upright vacuum cleaner to these 8-tracks. I tried to sing like Elvis and even move my lips like him. But you know what? It doesn't matter how precious those memories are. We, we are in a new generation and we have to realize that the message doesn't change, but the method does. When, when I first heard the gospel and it really sunk in, I was six years old and a lady from Child Evangelism Fellowship stood on the stage. And How many of you remember the old flannel boards? You, you put the little, little flannel pictures on the flannel board and I remember her putting Jesus on the cross and the, uh, the flames of hell and the empty tomb and all of that. And I remember that speaking to me, but do you see flannel boards anymore? We don't. Now, we have screens, we have PowerPoint, and we're still getting the message across. The power of God is still the same uh, today to save just as it was back in the day of the flannel graph, just as it was in the day of the printing press when it was first invented, just as even in the days before technology ever existed. So, we must remember the message doesn't change, but sometimes our methods do. Woody Simpson put it well. Many of you may remember him being here just a few weeks ago with uh, Good News Club. He said for many people, he was try for many years he was trying to win people to Christ with little results. And he said he changed fishing holes. He realized God was leading him in a ministry to children. And now all of a sudden, where he was fishing over here, now he's fishing over here and winning countless children to the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes God calls us to change fishing holes. Thursday night. I know I'm giving a lot of illustrations, but I believe these are very, very good illustrations. Last Thursday night, several of us attended. You've been hearing about this ICMP, Intentional Church Multiplication Process. This guy named Joe Youngblood got up, and I, I love his fire. I mean, this guy, I, 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 don't, I know he had to be in, probably in his 60s, I'm guessing, but this guy had some fire. And, and, and he got up and he began to share how God used this ICMP in the Rock Hill area of our state. And he began to 
share how God was saving souls and churches that were about to close their doors are now seeing baptisms, they're seeing souls saved. But now they're seeing, they're seeing God use things like block parties and motorcycle ministries and, and, and things of that nature, things that a, a lot of people might be a little uncomfortable with. But th what, what's happening is God's using these things to make a connection. And as people are connecting in these areas, they're sharing the gospel. And, then, and they're bringing these people to church and they're walking the aisle. And he told about this one lady that looked like, you know, one of those big biker chicks that you're afraid to run into in a dark alley. And he said she, she walked down the aisle and he was preaching and he was, he was afraid that she was coming down the aisle to take him out. But she came down the aisle weeping. Because the gospel convicted her. And, and, and somehow through these different ministries that these churches were doing, God saved her soul. There's more than one way to skin a cat, I always heard. And if God is calling us to do something a little different, maybe something we've never done before, so be it. Why? Because we're in the mess, or we're, we're in the business of leading souls to Jesus Christ and seeing disciples made for his glory. I want you to notice the results. When, when, when Jesus said, launch out into the deep, I want you to notice what verse 6 says. Look carefully. It says... Uh, They, they changed the method and nothing happened. Is that what it says? No, it says, And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. I'm not talking about 10 fish. I'm not talking about 20 fish. I'm not talking about, it, it could be 100 fish or more, but they caught fish Jesus came along and said I want you to change your method they changed their method and it says here that they caught so many fish that the net was breaking if any of you are fishermen would do you would you like to have that kind of day out on the lake if I were a fisherman I would I remember one uh, living in Hazelhurst Georgia the first place we lived, there was a catfish pond. And I remember one day they took a net and, and I mean, they pulled countless catfish out of that lake. And I like to eat them every now and then. And I'm thinking, wow, that'd be a great supper. But they, here they were, I mean, just bringing all these fish up out of the lake. And... and what happened here in Luke 5 was far greater than that. Their net was breaking. I wrote this statement down. God blesses and adds to the body of Christ when we stay true to the gospel, even if we change the way we deliver it. Point number two. Launching out into the deep, it sometimes causes us to change our method. But it causes us to work together with the body of Christ. Notice what verse 7 says. 
They're, at that, they're really at a point of desperation here with the net breaking. They got all these fish. They cannot do it alone. And to be honest with you, we at Hepzibah Baptist Church can't win Oconee County by ourselves. That's why 12 churches gathered together last Thursday night uh, for this ICMP because they realize that it's going to take churches working together to win Oconee County to Jesus. It's not Hepzibah versus Hopewell versus Townville Baptist versus Friendship United Methodist. It is all the body of Christ working together. Now, we may not always see eye to eye on anything, and, and, and I'm not talking about cooperation uh, outside of uh, people who don't believe the gospel. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about gospel-believing churches. But it, it calls us to work together with the body of Christ. Notice what they did in verse 7. It says, So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. What an awesome thing that is happening here in the power of God. They are seeing a miracle happen. And there's something greater that's happening here than just a big catch of fish. You're going to see it a little more in just a moment. We cannot have the attitude of every church for itself. We are not in a competition. We are all in this together. Churches today are competing and they're so independent of one another that we are losing ground seriously. We are losing ground for the cause of Christ because one church is downing another church that's downing another church that's downing another church that's downing another pastor and we see so little harmony in the body of Christ Jesus says if you're going to launch out into the deep you better get together and it starts here in this local fellowship us as the members of Hepzibah Baptist Church pulling together why for one cause we're to win people to Jesus, baptize them, and disciple them in the faith. That's the Great Commission. But I want you to notice a third point. After Peter sees what happens here, after he launches out into the deep, he comes to a point where he repents for valuing tradition over obedience. Notice what happens in verse 8. It says, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. Now this is a sign of humility and repentance. He says, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. When Peter said, nevertheless, at your word in verse 5, it wasn't a statement of faith. He was basically saying, as I mentioned a moment ago, we've tried everything else, so this won't hurt. So when Peter saw the results, and he realized that he had a lack of faith, he immediately falls at the feet of Jesus in repentance because he lacked faith, and he trusted more in his own personal knowledge 
than he did in the word of the master, the Lord Jesus Christ. There are many times that God calls you and God calls me to do things. And you know what? We often don't do them because we've never done it that way before. You ever heard of that in church? We ain't never done it that way before. Let's not try that. that that's scary. Something, something might happen if we do it this way. What, 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 if, what if some new and different people start coming into our church? What if? What if that happened? We'd be obeying God. We'd be seeing the Great Commission fulfilled right before our very eyes. And I'd love to see it happen. I would love to see it happen. I, I, I believe it was at that banquet the other night where somebody got up and, said, and made the statement that they'd love to see a third great awakening. I'm among those that would love to see that happen. I serve the same God who, who did it so long ago. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He can do it right now in 2012. Sometimes we have to repent, though, when we value tradition over obedience. I've been there many times. I remember a time in, in um, my life, Rachel and I hadn't been married long. And God was beginning to do a new work in our heart. We were in Bible college, been married about nine months. And God called us to, to do something, and, and it scared me. It was a step of faith. He called me to leave the Bible college where I was and step out on faith. And, and, and as I began to share with the Bible college that I was attending at the time that we're going to be leaving here and, and we believe that God has a new direction and, and we're, we're like Abraham in the book of Genesis. We don't know exactly where we're going to end up yet, but we have an idea. People began to say, Matthew, you are stepping outside of the will of God. God doesn't want you to leave this college. God's not going to bless you. You're going to leave here. You're not going to finish your college degree. You're going to quit. You're going to be a casualty just like everybody else. And, and, and I, I couldn't believe I was hearing this from the people that were supposed to be godly men and women who were supposed to be cheering young champions on for Christ and they were saying oh Matthew you're gonna you're gonna become a failure but thank God I I, I I tuned them out and I said I know what God's calling me to do next thing we knew we ended up in Hartsville South Carolina for two years and God gave us uh, the at that time the first opportunity of the greatest growth of our lives they, they took they took us in at uh, I was, was I 20? I think 20 years old, almost 21, 20, uh, thereabout. And I was young and ambitious, and I didn't know one thing from the, uh, the other, but I had zeal, and they were needing somebody to fill in in the music ministry at the time, and I just, I just jumped in. I said, I don't know much, but I love Jesus, and we're going to give this thing a shot. And God began to just do some great and mighty things 
and, and, and I, I continued to pursue my education and, and finished my bachelor's degree and went on to my master's degree and, and God blessed and, and I, I had people that later came back to me and said Matthew I'm sorry for saying that you were going to quit I don't say that to brag on myself but I, I, I say that to give glory to God because it could, it, it could have been easy to quit it could have been easy to listen to all the negativity around me and just say okay might as well quit everybody else is doing it but no God had a plan and that plan was burning so hot in my heart I was just going to go forward and it didn't matter what anybody said I was just determined to do the will of God and you know what in the future as, as God calls Hepzibah to do some different things they might just label us fanatics they might just say those people down at Hepzibah are crazy but you know what so be it so uh, I, I hope I'm okay in saying that Pastor John I, I'm making a statement I'm thinking uh, Pastor John might not want to take the flag for what Matthew said so I, I better be careful but I, I, I believe Pastor John feels that way if God's telling us to do something and, 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 and it might not make sense to everybody else God's saying do it we want to do it and if we're called fanatics and people think we're crazy but God's doing something mighty in this place we are going to move forward by the grace of God and we're going to launch out into the deep launching out into the deep means changing our methods sometimes it means working with the body of Christ it means repenting for value and tradition of our obedience but notice the next thing launching out into the deep calls us to allow the mandate that's the commandment to reach people to override fear I have to confess to you if I'm going to be honest with you tonight that one of my biggest fears and Pastor John shared this too when, when it comes time to share the gospel the devil brings along that fear and I, I know y'all experience it too y'all get those opportunities to to share Jesus and it gets downright scary especially if, you, if, if you're in an opportunity where you might not know the person so well you, you might be afraid that they pull a gun on you or they, they, they might say some not so nice things to you but we need to let the commandment override the fear notice what Jesus said in verse 10 he said do not be afraid because from now on you'll catch men from now on you are going to be catching souls it's not about fish this fish is just a parallel to the souls of lost men and women boys and girls that you are going to be reaching for Christ that's what it's about and we cannot allow fear to paralyze us as the people of the Lord Jesus Christ the problem is too many churches aren't moving forward because we're being paralyzed by fear constantly through the Word of God the message is fear not fear not fear not and I'm praying day by day God give me the courage to stand up to be bold to be strong and to share the message of Jesus even if it's not a popular message and even if the people that I share it with don't like it they need the message 
The heartbeat of God from before the foundation of the world has been for His creation to have a personal relationship with Him through Christ. And we shouldn't let fear stop us from telling people about Jesus. But now I want to look at our final point. We'll be done. Change in method, work together with the body of Christ, repent for value and tradition over obedience, allow the mandate to reach people to override fear. But then finally, launching out into the deep means leaving everything behind to follow Christ. When I surrendered to the call to ministry, I've told you before, I was the boy born and raised in Portsmouth, Virginia, and that was wherever where I was going to stay. I had no plans of leaving. I had a plan of setting a career there. All my family was there. That was my plan. Then God called me in the ministry, moved me to North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and now, thank God, back to South Carolina. I love this state. And I love the upstate. I hope y'all do too. It's a beautiful place. God, God's put us really in a strategic place. I don't think we realize the potential we have around us. We got Clemson University right at our back door. And, and, and we have an opportunity. Uh, we, we, got, we got a new set of college students coming in and Joey's going to have an opportunity and Deborah and, and those that work alongside them to, to invest in these international students and they're going to get to rub shoulders with all kinds of people. We have opportunity all around us and we don't need to get blinded. We don't need to get so short-sighted and think about what's going on in these four walls because the picture's so much bigger. But Jesus made this statement. Notice verse 11. Or verse 11. Th this was their response. It says, So when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed him. Our biggest problem in today's churches is that people aren't forsaking all and following him. They've got one hand holding on to the world and the other hand holding on to Jesus and they think they're somehow going to combine it and everything's going to be okay. I'll have a little bit of the world and I'll have a little bit of Jesus. But Jesus doesn't want just a little bit of you. He wants all of you. He wants all of me. He doesn't want half-hearted service. He wants it all. When he calls you to forsake all, he calls you to leave behind your lifestyle. If there are some things that you're doing now that you used to do before you were saved, and I'm going to put that in quotations, if there hasn't been a change in your life, there's a problem. Because the Bible says if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And I'm so glad that Jesus made me a new creature. But in forsaking all, it also means lay down anything that comes before Jesus. And some of us, let's just be honest tonight, we've got some idols. Oh, no, so no, no, no not me, Matthew. I don't have any idols. 
if I, if I, st I stop preaching and going into meddling for a minute, I think I might be able to dig into a few of the idols. Some people, family's an idol. I, I, I'm not, please understand, I, I'm not dis, uh, you know, I, I'm not throwing out the value of the family. But for some people, if little Susie doesn't want to go to church, and we're not going to church. Little Susie doesn't want anything to do with Jesus. Well, the whole family's just going to pull out. We, we're in a day when people have idols. You know, the, the, we got the great show today. Many of you watch it, American Idol. I can't watch too much of it because I can't handle some of the singing that's on it. I don't know if anybody else is with me on it. There's a lot that's gone on in the name of singing that somebody lied to them along the way. But anyway, that's another, that's another sermon in itself. But I, when, every time I think about American Idol and they're advertising for that new season, I, I, all of a sudden I think about American Idols. What things are we placing above Jesus? Is there anything that is above, if there's anything above Jesus, it's an idol. It might not be something that you carved out of wood. It may not be something that you made out of stone. But if it is above Jesus, it is an idol. And if you're going to launch out into the deep, Jesus is calling you to leave it all behind. And follow him. I believe tonight that that we're really at a strategic point. I believe we're at a point now where God's saying, "It's time to do something." We we we've been sitting around and and, and we've been talking about how e evil this world is for a long time. And we've been preaching against all the evils, but we have forgotten to get back to the gospel and getting the gospel out to all these people that we're calling evil and all these people that we're preaching against and all these lifestyles that we're preaching against. We have forgotten why God called us into existence. Um, Billy, are we good on the video? I want to close, I'm going to do something just a little different tonight. I'm going to close with a song here in just a minute. The man you're going to see on the video is a man named Alvin Slaughter. When God first gave me this message, this was the song I heard on the radio. And I believe that the word is going to be a blessing to you. But I want to use this as an opportunity if you're ready to launch into the deep tonight, if you're tired of sitting on the shore where it's safe, if you're tired of just same old, same old, if you're looking for an adventure and you're ready to give Jesus your all, I want to challenge you as this song begins just to come here and pray and just fill this altar. Maybe, maybe you need to make an altar right, right at your seat. But I just want to take a moment as this song plays.
Maybe God's convicted you about something. And you need, you need to come here. I just want to challenge you in this moment. With heads bowed and eyes closed, just let the Spirit of God speak to you tonight as this song plays. As the song goes, we're stepping out in faith tonight. I dedicate this song to you tonight. It simply says this. Sometimes we hold on a little longer than we Letting go can be hard, but it's sometimes for our good. The fear of what's ahead sometimes makes us fall behind. We can see the times are changing, but pretend that we're so blind. You'll never really know just what the future holds, but we know. In his hand. So now by faith, we must climb into the boat and follow his command. Launch out into the deep. Let your faith take you somewhere that you
ready for that adventure God's calling us to do it it's scripture it's not something that God wrote several years ago and is saying okay it might be a good suggestion it's a command and he's calling us as Hepzibah to do it would you stand and we'll close in prayer Father what a challenge from the word of God tonight what a reminder for me God you don't want me to to, to stand on the shore where it's safe. You, you don't want me to, to just be on the sidelines and just being a spectator uh, Christian, but God, you want me on the playing field. God, you want me right in the middle, serving and, and obeying and, and, Lord, launching out into the deep. And God, you want that for every single person in this building. Nobody is exempt. This is not just for preachers. This is not just for vocational ministers. God, this is for every child of God. And Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, let this sink deep within our heart. And Lord, I pray that within us would arise a new vision. Within us would arise something, a, a passion for Jesus that we, that we haven't had before. A greater passion, a greater zeal. Uh, Lord, a, a zeal that, that w wouldn't just be something that we talk about a little here or there, but God, it would be a, a lifestyle. It would be something that would pour over into our work, would pour over into our home, would pour over into every area of our life. So God, I'm praying, help and equip everyone uh, that is in this room tonight to launch out into the deep. And God, I realize that the devil's going to do everything he can to stop us. But God, I pray that when the devil comes and tries to discourage us, God, may we be determined more than ever to launch out and to obey. Because, Lord, when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not going to be about, well, the, the devil was on my case, so I backed off. No, we're going to have to stand before you and, and, and be obedient people. So, God, I pray, Lord, may we be the kind of people who even when the devil comes against us hard, we keep pressing on and pressing on and obeying and doing the work of God. Bless us as we go from here tonight. And, Lord, I just pray, Lord, for this coming Sunday, do a great and mighty work here in your house. And, Lord, we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Good night.